HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Garden Cult, garden design and coaching. For a 15% discount on virtual garden consultations and coaching sessions, use code HRN15. Learn more at GardenCult.com. This episode is supported by Angry Orchard. HRN is teaming up with them to host a virtual event all about American cider. Check it out at heritageradionetwork.org slash cider. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Raj Parr. We'll talk to Raj about the pandemic, his wineries, climate change, and a lot more. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. What can I say about Raj Parr that hasn't been said before? Raj is the greatest uncertified sommelier in the world with the most revered palate. His career in hospitality spans the fifth floor of the Michael Mina Group, including RN74 and his BBG. He is the award-winning author of Secrets of Sommeliers and most recently, The Sommelier's Atlas of Wine. Raj is the founding partner, proprietor, and winemaker at Sandy, Evening Land, and Domaine de la Cote. Raj just got his ass out of Santa Barbara and moved up to Cambria to his own regenerative Phelan farm. Welcome back to the Grape Nation, Raj. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, Raj, we're talking to you remotely via Zencaster. Where are you exactly right now? Uh, I'm at home. I live in a little town on the coast of California called Cambria. Okay. I want to talk to you about that. So you recently moved from Santa Barbara further north to Cambria. Yeah. Where you are now living on Phelan Farm. Before we get into Phelan Farm, because I want to spend you know a little time with that, because that's a very interesting part of your life. Um, I think people know who you are. I wouldn't mind if you spent a couple of minutes, and not a ton of time, 
just talking about, you know, the wine properties, talk to me about Sandy, Evening Land, and Domaine Delacote, and, you know, what you're doing there and what's going on. So people kind of have, you know, a framed background to what you're doing before we get into Phelan. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so me and my partner, Sashi Mormon, we started uh, Sandy in 2009, focusing on, on Chardonnay from the San Rita Hills, and then now we expanded to around Santa Barbara and also Central Coast. And we have Dumin de la Côte, which uh, we planted in 2007. And that focuses on Pinot Noir uh, from the western edge of San Rita Hills in the town of Lompoc. And then since 2014, we've been uh, taking care of and making the wines at Eveningland, the Seven Springs Vineyard in the Eoliamity Hills and the Willamette Valley in Oregon. So those are the three uh, wineries, which me and Sashi have been uh, managing and running uh, starting from 2009. Right. And then Domaine de la Cote. Yeah, Runner Cote, and also planted in 07, so we've been doing right. that, yeah, since, uh, since the those, first And Those are pro- prominently expressions you know, of your love for Burgundy, you know, through Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely Chardonnay and Pinot Noir have been two grapes I've been working with since since, uh, 2009, and we continue that, and yes, it's it's something Is Domaine Delacote exclusively Pinot? Uh, There's a little bit of Chardonnay, and, uh, and then soon to be releasing a little bit of sparkling wine. Right. Um, and the beautiful thing about your wineries is they're all, you know, top quality, um, and they're all accessible in different ways, you know, whether it's restaurants or your mailing list or retail, um, and the price points, you know, vary to hit, you know, everyone, every wine lover, you know, from sort of entry to, you know, fancy schmancy pants, um, (laughs) So those are the wineries. I was just curious. You know, we're going to talk about Phelan Farm, but um, you spend... Well, uh, let, let me ask this question. So now let's talk about Phelan Farm. Um, you were close to... Um, what was it? Sandy and Domaine de la Cote when you were in Santa Barbara. And you recently moved up to uh, Cambria, as we discussed or mentioned, to Phelan Farm. Right. So tell me why you packed it in and you moved to Phelan Farm. I mean, there had to be a desire or a reason. What triggered that? Well, there's many different reasons. It's not only one reason. But uh, as we were growing Sandy, uh, we had a hard time getting Santa Barbara County uh, fruit for the for the for the basic wine for for our the wine we, you know, produce the most of. And. Uh, then we started looking at vineyards up in Edna Valley, Oro Grande, and in the Central Coast. And then since 2019, we started making more wine from vineyards in the Central Coast uh, near San Luis Obispo and Oro Grande than we did in the San Rita Hills. The quantity was more, even though we, the, the, our best wines still come from San Rita Hills. So, so that was so I was spending more time driving an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I lived in Santa Barbara, so which was driving the other way, and I decided that you know I should I should probably live somewhere closer to the vineyards I 
I, you know, I, I look after. And then also then I also, we also had Filon Farm, which is a, a property which is uh, we've been working with since 2016. And it was always a part of the Sandy uh, program, but it was just a small part, which would be blended into our, into the cuvées. And I started grafting um, other varieties on here since 2017. And then by 2020, we had grafted most of the varieties I wanted uh, on these four parcels, 11 and a half acres into four par- in four parcels. And I decided to uh, personally lease it and kind of spend my time farming it. Uh, so I farmed the vineyards myself with the... Uh, with the help of a person who lives on the property, I live ten minutes away from from the farm, and okay. it's uh, four parcels. Uh, we have uh, we just planted an apple orchard. We're doing it right now, actually. Today we started doing it this morning, but tomorrow should be planted. And we have a bunch of animals. We have sheep and dogs and chickens, and and uh, yeah. So that's so that's yeah. Have you? So you started grafting, and after grafting for years. You basically converted 11 acres plus, you know, into what you wanted to graft. You felt like you should be there, right? I mean, is that was yeah, one yeah. of the, um, is it, is it one, is it a, when you talk about animals and you talk about all the other stuff, I mean, are you trying to, you know, sort of be regenerative? I mean, are are you changing the way you do things at other place not changing the way but you're trying to create a specific environment there yeah it's it's quite different than anything else uh you know we we follow the biodynamic principles we we live by the regenerative uh organic uh you know i'm not looking for a certification right now but just following what i what i've learned and read and spoken to people about so and then of course being totally organic and totally uh free of any chemicals, we don't spray anything except what we can put in our bodies uh, and they use animals to mimic nature and uh, use, uh, you know, herbal remedies and holistic sprays and all these things to kind of nurture the land and and stay connected. What Was the property under pressure from, you know, previous care you know where pesticides were used or a lot of tilling or it wasn't in bad shape you're just trying to make it even that much better yeah it wasn't a bad shape at all it's been no till since 07 it's all ungrafted vines they were, it was all owned Peter Noir, which is not just grafted over it uh it was it was organic for the first five six years and then it was there was yeah there was some herbicides used for four years and then we took it back to organic again and then since 2021, it's uh, organic plus plus. Right. Now, in a good way, this smacks of uh, a couple of people that I think you and I know and admire. Um, Nate Reddy seems to be doing this, you know, at a certain level. And even not far from you, uh, I think the Tablas Creek people have committed to uh, regenerative farming. You know, officially, I mean, are, are those guys that you look towards, talk to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, Nate's been a friend for, you know, 20 years. Uh, you know, Tablas Creek, I visited them for the first time just when I moved here. Uh, Mimi Castile in in Oregon. Uh, Jason, right. Jard- Jason Jardine. 
in um, in at Hansel, you know, Dan Rinke in uh, in in Oregon. I mean, there's many people. It's it, this is I, I didn't wake up one day and said, oh yeah, I, I can do this. Uh, I've been talking to people and and learning from people and and trying to Im- implement it at the best of my knowledge. We are also in a very unique climate here. We are in we are on the central coast, uh, only three miles from the ocean, so it's it's really cold and foggy, and you know it's uh, it's a very unique place. Uh, we that have- cold and foggy for the kind of wines you like and want to make is that good climate for you. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, cool climate is always a good place to be because if you're growing the varieties, the varieties are grown in places that are cool and wet and and uh, it rains a whole lot more here in Cambria than it does in, in Santa Barbara, for example. And we don't have a need to irrigate and uh, we can kind of, you know, do things at a different pace. And yeah, it's just, it's just a unique, unique place. It's so close to the ocean. Uh, today Does it's the, cloudy and you know foggy day right now. It's today's high is probably like sixty four, you know, and we are already in May, so it's, it's yeah. Right. Does the um, rain create you know a mildew problem? You know where you have to look for alternative you know ways to deal with that versus a Santa Barbara. Um, you know, this has been a dry year, so we did have, we, we did have probably a 25 inches of rain this year, uh, but it all came in, in very big lots. It didn't come in, it wasn't spread out over, over four months. It happened all in like... Didn't you, know, you have like a crazy storm with like 10 plus inches or something? Yeah, yeah. We had a crazy, crazy storm in January. So, and we Have had, you ever seen anything like that there? No, it flooded uh, uh, a quarter of one of the vineyards and... And all the sand, it, 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 people are like, "Why is your vineyard so sandy?" I mean, this, the sand just <laughs> came after the rain from the, because we have we are just above a creek, so you know when it, when it rains, it could easily flood part of the vineyard. So it's, it's it was, and hence we don't have to irrigate just because we are just above a creek. Does that when you said that the vineyard was flooded, does that ruin or screw up the vineyard, or once everything sort of? drains down it's okay i mean what what happens with that yeah nothing it's just the creek overflows and okay. and you know didn't destroy any of the vines didn't destroy any of anything else it just kind of brought a lot of the sand uh from this creek up to the vineyard so it, it looks like part of the vineyard is very sandy but right. it, it, it's not <laughs> do you just leave it i mean you don't you can't do anything right yeah, no, no, just leave it the way it is. It's just, it's yeah. just the cover crop grew like crazy, and the parts where it flooded, the cover crop was six, seven feet tall. Jesus. So, yeah, Jesus. Um, uh, one last question on Phelan. So, I had Tegan on about a month ago or so, and I think his uh, Instagram handle is Own Rooted. Mm. Now, isn't Own Rooted plants, vines, you know, whatever that are ungrafted? Yeah, is is that what that means or not? Yeah, yeah, it means ungrafted. Yeah, it means that there's no right. There's so no you're grafting because you want to introduce different varietals. Yeah, so the whole vineyard is planted to Pinot Noir. So the rootstock is of Pinot Noir, which okay. is which is Venus which is Venus vinifera, and right. I'm grafting other varieties on top of own rooted Pinot Noir, which is which makes it. Still own rooted. It's still susceptible to phylloxera oh, okay. 
and it's yeah it's it's still uh, it's still risky business but you know it's quite secluded there's no veneers around it we keep our we 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 keep all our equipment if you borrow equipment we make sure we clean it really carefully so it's we are, we are still in danger of getting phylloxera but we try to be as careful as possible right um so you know in the other vineyards which are you know specific not specific Particular, you know, they lean towards uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Here, because of the grafting, are you doing a lot of field blends, and are you living vicariously through this vineyard? You know, where you could plant, you know, all these grapes that you've admired. Yeah, there's there is. Uh, Tell me about what's out there. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> so the first parcel, which is on. Uh, kind of a rocky quartz and pebbles uh, that has uh, Chardonnay two acres and the rest of two acres is uh, divided. There's a little bit of pink Chardonnay, which is a mutation of Chardonnay wow. uh, from, from the Jura. So it's pink skinned and a few rows of that. And then we have kind of a field blend of, of Mencia, Trousseau, Palomino, Mission and Garnacha Tinturera. And that becomes one wine, which which is kind of a is inspiration of a wine which Envinate makes called Mistorado. Uh, Envinati. Yeah. Roberto. Yeah. So 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 that's an inspiration behind uh, from that wine. That's that that's the fee blend. The next vineyard is a uh, it it has Pinot Noir, Gamay, and Mondos. And Ooh, that's, that, nice. that's going to be one wine, uh, which is called... That's going to be killer. Yeah, it's going to be called Autremont, which is a wine inspired by a Savoie producer, by the name of Jacques Maillet, and now the Quartet family. They make the wine, so I asked their permission if I could use that name for that nice. wine. And then the third parcel is kind of slightly steeper and has you know, some pure clay, and that has Sauvignon Vert, Sauvignon Jean, and Pulsard. And there's different selections there, from t- mostly from Tissot, Makel, Auvergne, and Ganova. And that's going to be two wines, one Sauvignon and one, um, one um, uh, Pulsard. And then the last parcel is Mondos. And then there's a co-planting of Granger, Altes, and Jacquere, which we are still in the process Those of Those are Savoie varieties, right? Yeah, so there'll be like a one white and one red from there. Nice. Um, I was going to talk to you a little later on, you know, about the wine club, but I think it ties into this question. Um, and we can talk about it a little more later, but you, you have a wine club where you mm-hmm. offer, you know, the subscribers an opportunity for interesting wines. The wines are pretty much outside of the Pinot Noir Chardonnay thing. Yeah. Not exclusively, but, you know, there's a lot of other ones. Um, is is Phelan one of the suppliers or will be for the wine club or you have to go to other sites for wine club wines? Yeah, so uh, the wine club was like my alter ego of right because I was like, you know, Pinot Noir Chardonnay is great but I'm curious about other varieties. And uh, so we used uh, some other vineyards around and then feeling in the past uh, from 2021, Phelan Farm will have its own label, its own entity. All the 100% of the grapes from Phelan Farm will be used for the Phelan Farm label. There'll be a different entity 
uh, totally. The Rajpar Wine Club wines will still exist, but will come from the other other vineyards you've worked with in the past, not from Feel and Farm. So both of those opportunities give you that latitude. And we just talked about what you're planting, you know, at feeling yeah. um, to work with virtually anything you want, right? Which yeah, is terrific. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, you know, I only want to work with vineyards. I'm fully committed and, and I can control in the sense of, you know, have, you know, this, I believe in the same idea of organic plus and idea of being, you know, connected with, with the place and, and the grapes and, the people who are who are uh, you know behind the farming because that's what matters the most. Uh, right. Um, clear up one thing for me. Um, Phelan Farm, you're gonna give it their own label, even though there is a Phelan family and leaving Phelans. This will be your label under your control, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the Phelan yeah. family has a great story. It's a, it's a great family and. I'm blessed to have, you know, be able to work with their vineyards and have a long-term lease with the family. Uh, they homestead here in 1851, and Greg Phelan wow. um, um, and Pat, his father, they kind of run the ranch and 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 this entire entire 1100 acre ranch. And I lease these vineyards from them and this the apple orchard, the, the land from them. Uh, and of course they own it and I used I asked the permission to use their name to give this place identity because right. uh, everything nice. everything needs you know, it's not me I'll be gone and the place will still be and it'll be part of the family and if the family wants to you know do other things with, with this with this entity and yeah it's, it's, it's you know it's all about collaboration and building something special because Cambria is fairly unknown and you know if you come well, to Cambria everybody yeah, if Everybody you can, will start hearing of it now. Um, the apple orchards, are you doing any co-ferments or any ciders? I mean, any interest in that? Yeah, I mean, this is all cider apples I've planted uh, and a few pear trees. Uh, the idea is definitely to uh, do mostly co-ferments. Uh, I'm not sure I'll make a pure cider, but it'll be a co-ferment, so I'm going to ferment different grapes with the cider and then also have a medicinal herb plants uh, in in the in. I'm calling it a more of a forest uh, forest garden because it's going to be apple trees planted in a chakra in, in circles, and then nice. vi- vines in between them, and then just kind of a medicinal garden with uh, with different herbs, which I'll use for the co-ferment and use for my spray program for the for the vines, and kind of you make it more of a you know just like a little. A garden is going to be called uh, after my goddaughter Vera, so we call. So you get to uh, sort of set up the farm and design it from the ground up the way you want as much as you can, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's nice. again, again to kind of create its own ecology and its own kind of uh, place. So all this sounds terrific. What I'm just curious about, and I think you kind of mentioned it in passing. I mean, Cambridge in the middle of nowhere. I mean, so basically, it's not a lot of people around. I mean, I'm sure friends come to visit, hang out, stay. But I mean, it's not the type of place like Santa Barbara, which people are coming through. Uh, is that a little different to you? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, uh, I'm so busy, I can barely get through my day, you know. So I'm, I'm not, you know, if someone comes and visits, it's great, but. Is a lot of that busy out in Phelan or, you know, I know you have to take care of all the other, 
you know, vineyards. But right now is a lot of your time, you know, hours during the day doing the Phelan stuff. Yeah, it's, I would say probably uh, right now in the initial days, because I do the farming myself. I do the sprays myself. I, you know, uh, I'm there every day doing something, doing, you know, we prune the whole vineyard ourselves, a few friends, and now we shoot thinning ourselves with, you know, just just few people and just me and whoever comes and helps. And so it's full, uh, it's fully kind of, you know. Nice. So it's not, it's not, uh, you know, we're not, we don't get too many. We have some people helping if we need to kind of, you know, finish a job. But uh, mostly right. it's uh, Abad who lives in the property here. And him, you enjoy, him. I mean, the, the, the sort of the solitude and that you're doing everything that that's, you know, very pleasurable to you. Yeah, it's it's very zen because there's no phone service there and there's no inter- <laughs> Internet. So it's it's very it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, so I intimated this to you in an email, but I want to do almost like a side series thing for the grape nation i want to do a bunch of shows on harvest and i'm throwing this idea and i'm not asking you to commit to it or even respond but i would love to come out there during harvest and really get in the dirt and do a series of shows you know really on the ground type of thing that's just an idea and i'll follow up with you because i think because of the project you're doing and what you're doing there i think it would make a fun um, you know, podcast series. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Come, come. Anytime you come here or any other farm, any other act, living vineyard farm, you know, you'll always find things every day. There's, there's yeah. not a, not a single day. It's like, oh yeah, we got to turn the compost pile, or we have to go and you know move the animals, or <laughs> there's, right. there's, right. there's, there's, there's always something happening. It's all enough you to know. do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Raj, it would be hard not to talk to anyone without talking about you know the pandemic the past year um you know what effects you know so for you for Phelan and maybe because of the pandemic is why you eventually got to Phelan your other properties that we talked about um you know how has life been during the pandemic and you know has it changed the way you want to do or have to do your business oh it's i mean the day i moved from san francisco to santa barbara eight years ago that was like a 180 change in my life and then from santa barbara to feel and cambria so another 180 so where i was in 2013 to where i am today it's a complete 360 i've, I've gone all the way around and come back to, uh, you know, what I really wanted to do. Um, and, you know, the first few months for everyone, it was very scary and not knowing, you know, what's going to happen, when's it going to end, how is it going to end? And, and, and you know, I think everyone did their part and, you know, it was, it was a struggle for everyone. It wasn't, uh, you know. I so you were that, able, I mean, knock on wood health-wise, good, but business-wise... Um, yeah, the three vineyards and even you know the operation at Phelan continued. I mean, were you doing more yeah. mailing list, direct to consumer? I mean, how did that work out? Yeah, just been you know we were lucky that people knew us and people have had the wine. So we had you know I, me and Sashi had spent so much time traveling and 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 talking about what we're doing and people kind of believed and kind of kept us 
kept us uh, in business and we, we, we really kind of were grateful for everyone who contributed and bought wine from us and and engaged with us and we you know we kept all our employees and and gave everyone all the harvests you know which were in the thick of the pandemic september october last year um you were able to get the people you needed and everybody was okay yeah it was it was definitely the hardest uh vintage for 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 all of us who worked it because we were in in pods and stayed together and trying to kind of keep everything right because if you know if one of us got sick then we'd have to you know, we were just so it was very hard we had everyone you know, we, our whole intern team was switched around we got another another team and it was great it was a we were grateful to have made it through the wines are amazing even though california we struggled as a whole the state struggled with smoke and fires oregon we struggled with smoke and fire Right. Um, traumatic, uh, traumatic uh, harvest overall for the entire state and the entire West Coast. Yeah, M- made it through. Um, you know, just kind of focused inwards and and try to kind of do the best we could. Uh, we made probably the best wines we ever made at Domaine de la Côte, uh, but as a whole, the state suffered. You know, so Santa Barbara wasn't affected as much with smoke, but the North Coast was. So you know, all in all, it was it was a hard one. But uh, here yeah, we are. I mean, while, while we're on bummer topics, I mean, California did experience the worst effects, you know, of I guess you'd label it climate change. I don't want to say global warming, just the drought and the fires, you know, you know, were beyond has that. So you got through it and, you know, the wines seem good. Is this the, the way things are going year in, year out, is this going to change the way you farm and make wines? You know, just trying to understand and anticipate the climate around you? Yeah, we have to, we have to you know, make personal changes in our own lives uh, and whatever that is, you know. Uh, yeah. For me, from traveling 200,000 miles and, and adding to the carbon footprint, the carbon footprint to flying you know i don't know i'm going to oregon next week i guess or two weeks so that's that's like you know I, I, I drove to oregon three times during the during the harvest season um you know it's it's just look into yourself and what you can do and everyone should be growing something in their backyard everyone should be trying to eat things to around them everything everyone should be planting something um you know so in a post-pandemic life um do you, when things resume to some kind of normal, do you see yourself doing less of certain things like traveling by plane, you know, running to every event? I mean, now that you've survived not doing it, does that mean you could do less and, you know, contribute to the environment that way? Oh, I mean, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, like, I can't go anywhere. It's, there's no, I don't have the capacity. I don't want to. I have to be here. And if I leave, who's going to tend to the vines and the animals? But, so. but Raj, you have the three other wineries and you're in very much high demand. You know, you probably have more opportunities pre-pandemic to be at places than you can go to. You know, it'll morph back into that post-pandemic. You're just not going to handle it the way you used to. You're going to do less of it, right? No, I'm doing none of it. Less of it is not an option. Until further notice? Till 
I can't even imagine where. It so would. I'm not going to see you in New York, you know, at anything then, right? So I'm, that's good. I'll have to come out and visit you. Yeah, you'll definitely not see me in New York. That's okay. Good. Yeah. Um, when do you? This is a silly question, but I just want to get your take on it. When do you see, you know, a movement towards at least a little more normalcy? Do you have any feel for that? I mean, are we getting close to it? Are we starting to get out of it in relation to you and wine and the business? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that we don't know exactly how things will pan out. You know, people are just I'm sure at some point they'll go out of control and try to go everywhere and and do things. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. how far it is. I think maybe after the summer we'll kind of figure it out and see how you know how the vaccine actually works and if right. there's it's also you know, early. Yeah, it's a little early. I mean, all of us should still wear masks if you're in public inside and 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 still kind of be careful because we don't know that much and we are taking a lot just uh yeah so yeah so what's the rush you know i agree with that um the earth's atmosphere actually cleaned itself up in this past year because of less emissions and less industrial which is kind of cool um raji we got to take a quick break we're talking to raj par um, Raj Parr is the uh, proprietor and winemaker at Sandy Evening Land and Domaine Delacote. And his exciting, uh, I guess you could call it new wine, new project, Feelin' Farm. Um, you're listening to the Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. When we come back, we'll uh, talk to Raj about a bunch of other exciting things. This episode is brought to you by Garden Cult, garden design and coaching. Carmen DeVito is a professional garden designer, certified New York State landscape professional, and the founder of Garden Cult. You may also know her from HRN's home gardening videos and our series, We Dig Plants. Garden Cult is a culmination of Carmen's more than two decades of experience designing and building gardens in New York City. Carmen believes that gardens and outdoor spaces should be healthy, environmentally sustainable places that enhance the health of people, nature, and the planet. She knows how to help you maximize the space you've got, help you work with and make the most of the materials, plants, and trees that you already have, and create an outdoor place to use and enjoy for you and your family. Get started at GardenCult.com. For a 15% discount on virtual garden consultations and coaching sessions, use code HRN15 through September 30th, 2021. That's code HRN15 at GardenCult.com. This episode is supported by Angry Orchard. I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio, and I'll be moderating an amazing virtual event with Angry Orchard and Heritage Radio Network on May 26th. We'll be celebrating the release of the new first-of-its-kind book, American Cider, A Modern Guide to a Historic Beverage. I'll be in conversations with the authors, Daniel Pucci and Craig Cavallo. Then we'll welcome Angry Orchard head cider maker, Ryan Burke, for myth-busting about this beverage and an interactive cider tasting. When you order a ticket, you'll also receive a copy of the book. Visit heritageradionetwork.org cider. 
Plus, you'll find a link to purchase a hand-selected cider bundle from Angry Orchard so you can taste along with us. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash cider. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, Raj Parr. Um, Raj, no secret, you've been a long-time Burgundy lover. <laughs> um, but you committed pretty heavily a life to making wine in California and Oregon. Um, on and we talked about all the other varietals, but when you get back to you know Burgundy or Burgundian varietals, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, um, what are the parallels that have you that you have found with Burgundy, California, and Oregon? Obviously, there's got to be some. Otherwise, you would have just thrown your arms up and said, "This ain't working." <laughs> no, it's 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 hard to even compare because um, you know Burgundy is the benchmark. It's the soils are the most uniquely different than anything else outside of Burgundy. Uh, just the the plant material, everything is just you know it's 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 basically the benchmark of all benchmarks for Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, you know, I would throw in the Jura also because that they also make Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and they wow. have a, a unique, but uh, you know, more clay than limestone compared to Burgundy. Uh, if you if you bring in Oregon, I guess it's the closest in comparison in the in the north. The more northern. than California, right? Yeah, I think I think it's the, it's more it's more similar because of the latitude and the growing season, the continental climate. Um, and then on the California coast, it's all, that's the only place Pinot Noir, which is where it should be grown. Um, you know, it's maritime climate, so it's very different. We have much, much less, uh, fluctuation of vintages. It's, it's, it's drier in the summer, in the summer and the growing season. Uh, very interesting soils, but you know, very, um, it's a very so it is, different it, it's about the terroir, which is, you know, you can't, you know, replicate it. But one of the things that we've passively been talking about, which I think is as important or more important than ever, is that wine, the product, wine making, is all about the farming and the vineyards and the practices. Yeah. And it's always been that, but I think people have become more even woke to that. I mean, would you agree? 100%. Absolutely. You know, with um, sustainable farming, regenerative, um, you know, more and more people are doing that. I mean, I, I, enough aren't, but, you know, more and more are. Um, and I think Balin and making the wines gave you an opportunity to be in the vineyards, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's been it's been amazing, amazing journey, and and it's just the beginning. So I'm super yeah. excited to see what keeps coming. Um, you know, in doing research and reading about you, um, even your books, you talk about uh, trying to figure out what this is a next level of California winemaking. Um, what is that? And in essence, have we talked about it, you know, the last half hour? I mean, you know, it's, it's a personal thing for, for different people is different thing, you know, it's, well, I'm it, interested in you. Yeah. For, for me, 
it comes back to the reflection of each person in what they do in in their own in their own winery, their own vineyard. Um, I guess wine making is probably the easiest part of the equation, and and maybe five years ago I used to think wine making is the is the end all do all, <clears throat> and now I think it's not. I think it's the vineyard work. It's how you prune and you know how you treat your soil and what you spray and those things are more important. That was my point before. I mean, do you agree that, you know, Burgundy, that the best Burgundy guys pretty much, you know, were farmers? I mean, they were very close to the land, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, so this is more of, you know, not the wine itself, but the Burgundian model of, you know, making the wine, you know, where the field is that much important. Yeah, no, no, 100%, absolutely. Now, would next level also mean getting away from what people perceive California as, which is the big cab, some Merlot, you know, a little Pinot, you know, new varietals, you know, stuff that Matthiasen and Dan Petrosky and, you know, Tegan, all these guys are doing. Is that next level? Absolutely. I mean, everyone's input is the intention, is, is the work in, in, in really kind of defining the place is important. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it'll be exciting to see what comes out of this. Um, Raj, I've probably asked this question a dozen times on The Grape Nation, um, and it's obvious why. But I want your take on it. And why do sommeliers become winemakers and what was your reason uh, uh, no, I, I did not uh, ever try to imitate someone though Michael Bonacorsi was definitely someone I looked up to he was the first uh, person uh, after Larry Stone Larry Stone also made wine in the in the late 90s I guess mid 90s um, was he Napa making Valley. wine when he was at Rubicon yeah Larry I think Larry he is, was yeah Larry made uh, I thought it was later on no, mid '90s, he made a label called Sarita, uh, <clears throat> but it, you know, it was more you know, for me. The journey started because a friend of mine told me once, "Oh, yeah, you know, you can't make uh, you know whole cluster of Syrah in California." So that that's how it started, and <laughs> so I'm like, ah, I'll make a little bit and see, and and then I just kept going deeper and deeper in the rabbit hole, and here we are today, twenty years later. Almost. So it was with you, it was more dabbling. Like it was more you were so, you know, like I said, you're, you know, basically uncertified and as good as anyone, but your interest was so deep. You were, you know, about whole cluster Syrah that you just had to go out and try it, right? It wasn't necessarily I'm standing on my feet 14 hours a day and got to get out of here. It was yeah, more inquisitive, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely not. I had no plan. If you had told me, uh, you know, 20 years ago that I'll be uh, farming a vineyard and living in Cambria and making wine, I'll be like, you're crazy. Yeah, well, I'll tell you something. If you told me this two years ago, you know, raw wine or something, you know, I would say, yeah, okay, see you then, you know. It is, it, it is very interesting. So, you know, in a way, you know, have you found your nirvana at Phelan Farm? You know, I think it's just warming up, just, just starting. So, you know, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a while till we kind of 
So really this is fine, fine. You know, because you you got you got to you know, it's a dance. You dance with Mother Nature. You kind of see yeah. see well, see. How, yeah, you can't you can't just uh, come in and say, "I know what's going on." Let me let me let me take control. You can't take control. You got to just you know watch. Right. Will you be able to attend to the other vineyards the way you did and the way that it's needed? Uh, you know, Domaine de la Cote, Sande. Yeah. Well, you know, the, I never farmed Domaine de la Cote. I never, you know, Sande is all from, mostly from Grape Fibre. Right. So I oversaw, you know, the farming at some of the vineyards and, and you know, Sashi and Chris King, they were more involved in in Domaine de la Cote uh, and Jessica Cortel. And so I, so I, it's, this is not something, it's, it's not my forte. It's not, it's not something I, uh, we are doing it other places. I'm doing right. it just my way by myself here in Cambria. And yeah. let's see what happens. I have no idea. Maybe the wine is complete shit. Maybe the vineyard completes, completely gets... I'm going to guess no, knows? but you never know. I mean, you get a lot of curveballs thrown at you. You know, you already got flooded, you know, a hailstorm. You see what happened in Europe, you know, as yeah. we were talking about climate change. I wanted to focus on oh, you yeah. know, California, the frost and everything. Oh, um, oh, we, oh yeah, we had frost here four times. We had to... The only thing is we are allowed to, we have overhead sprinklers, so we kind of use the sprinklers. And, yeah, we were at, uh, you know, we, we were down, what are the, I don't know the Celsius is, but we were down to uh, 29. Uh, is that Was that unusual or that happens every few years? I mean, was it, that a stretch it, it, that was? It happens every year here at Cambria. It does, uh, okay. It's just, so you're, you're, got, you're prepared for it. You just hope it's not too bad or too long. Yeah, you know, uh, our, our bud break is slightly later than further south, and and you know, we just again these things happen all the time. It's just uh, you know, France is uh, Europe. All of Europe got hit pretty hard. This Italy year. got hit. I saw France in many regions. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's 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 not easy. I think people have to make decisions of how they will prevent this from happening. And sometimes, due to the old-fashioned laws you have. Uh, you can't, you know, do certain things in in your vines, um, and yeah, it's 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 uh, everyone yeah. has to adapt and kind of try to see how so, we can get ahead of this. So this is always kind of a silly question, but you know, based on the fact that you just got in there and there's a lot of work to do, I mean, where do you see yourself in like two, three, five years, even further out, you know, making that exactly the place you want it to be? I mean, how do you look at the future? I don't, uh, at this point, I don't. I, again, as I said, this is, this is a dance with mother nature. So I'm just, just starting to understand. How but you're grow. determined to stay in the dance on the dance floor. Oh, I just to signed do a, some good moves I, and I, I just I just signed a, a lease that's going to be my lifetime, so uh, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, um, okay. So that you can answer the question. I mean, you committed to the property because you signed a lease. You know, you're you're ready to dance with Mother Nature, which you don't know. You know what's going to be. So that that's you know that's where people can expect and and all these you know, wines and field blends and, you know, projects are going to pop out. Um, I know you made wine with uh, Marie Ponsonet Veyron. Are you yeah. still doing that, Colette? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. We we unfortunately lost our 2020 to smoke. 
Oh, uh, we made some white wine this year just to kind of have some wine. Right. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's it's all of California, so it's you know it's, yeah. it is. Do you uh, are you involved in other projects like that? No, no, just just uh, you know, Marie is a dear friend, and right. and and. Uh, but I know you help people, you know, at other wineries and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and no, I, you know, I definitely, you know, do some do some friendly consulting, a little uh, consulting for other projects. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's 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 always fun to be uh, you know involved in different things. Yeah. Um, you know, your most recent book, The Sommelier's Atlas of Taste, you know, which we had you on the show when it came out yeah. to talk about it. I just want you to know that it's become a core reference book for the Grape Nation podcast research. Amazing. It's sort of like when I'm having a guest, why not check in Raj's book, you know, <laughs> to talk about, to read about the region and, you know, specific winemakers. Um, it's kind of timeless, that book. Are you thinking about or working on any other books no, or no, that no, crazy. No, no, no. It's that I, required uh, travel, right? The book? Oh yeah. Oh, the the book was an amazing uh, me and Jordan had a great time, you know, great time. But that book took so much time. I'm I don't think I'll ever have that much time again. So yeah. Yeah. The the the, the days of writing a book and committing to that are nowhere in the uh future right no i can i can barely get through my day just uh but you're okay with that right i mean there's nothing like you know gnawing at you that you want to write about or do i mean you, you that path is clear right oh yeah no i'm super happy and content i i've never been happy in my life so it's 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 all it's all good um, um i want to do a thing called the wine list with you um because we do it every week with all guests we ask them the same questions and i'm sure people would love to hear but before i uh, ask you the wineless questions i kind of forgot to ask you this question um because he's such an integral part of you know what you do outside of phelan where did you meet sashi mormon you know you and sashi <laughs> you know tend to the uh three other yeah. wineries yeah I just, i'd love to hear that story yeah, no, Sashi, we met, uh, he came to show me his wines when I was at Michael Mina in 2004. Ah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. What, that, what were his wines? I mean. Uh, he, I think at that time he was showing me, he was making the wines at, uh, at Stoltman. Okay. And, Interesting. And he had just made his first vintage of Pedro Sassi in 03. And yeah, he came to show the wines, and and uh, that's Did how. Did you like him more than the wines? The wines more than him, or everything? No, I didn't like the wines at all. I made it very serious. Clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. No, so how does that come together? Was he that good of a guy? Oh, he's a great guy. No, no, I know he is. But first <laughs> blushes, guy comes in with crap wine, and you know you have this enduring relationship. No, with but him. you have to understand, it wasn't it wasn't the crap wine? It was just my style. I've had the same palette, uh, a very similar palette for a long time, and I was never shy telling someone if I didn't like the wine, especially when I was sommelier back in the day. Right. Uh, I think people remember that or might might not like me because of that, but I was honest, and I just didn't like that big style. So you know, over the years, everyone changes, and so did he, and, and yeah. we changed together in ways. And, and well, you uh, guys are making the wines that you both, you know. Uh 
you know, want to drink and want to present to people. All right, let's do the wine list. I'm going to ask you yeah. five questions. Don't dwell on them. Um, you know, you don't, they don't have to be long, drawn-out answers. Um, I'll keep you focused. But the first question, and, you know, I know when you have people around, you're always drinking wine. I know you're always tasting wine. In the old house, I know you kept bottles above the fireplace or whatever, you know, of choice bottles. So the question is, what are you drinking now? What's in the fridge? What's on the table? What are you experimenting with? You know, what's current? You know, I, I drink a lot of different things. I, I'm always... That's what uh, I want to know. Yeah. So, you know, I like I drink everything from Galicia, from like Nacho Gonzalez, who is uh, who is uh, become right. uh, uh, one of my favorites, uh, you know, uh, Beloit from the Savoie, you know, uh, Tiso from the Jura. Wait, say that again from the Savoie, Raj? Bel- uh, Beloit. Bell. Because uh, I'm going to post everything. Yeah, B E L L U A R D, Belouard. Okay, Savoir. What else? Uh, Tiso from the from the Jura. Different Tiso. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. There's many producers. You know, he, I got a lot of cuttings from him. Uh, Do you, you know, of course, my- go back to classic wines like old cabs or Bordeaux, Barolos. Um, uh, yeah. You do, yeah. You do that uh, yeah. more on occasion with friends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'll, I'll still, you know, drink, uh, you know, Barolo and and Barbaresco and and le- uh, Bordeaux less, but yes, I, I still, I still kind of, you know, sometimes open a bottle of California kind of Cabernet. Yeah, yeah. It, it's you know, and, and then uh, you know, uh, Burgundy sometimes here and there, and you know, whatever. So you're I- drinking less Burgundy these days. You know, I can't, you know, I drank most of mine. I can't afford okay. uh, them anymore. So, <laughs> That's you know. a tough problem, man. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Second question. I know you love food. I know you love to cook. You know, obviously you were involved in restaurants, you know, your whole pro- professional career up until winemaking. Silliest question of the five, but favorite wine and food pairing. Raj Pars. Not what you think is a good one, what you like. Yeah, you, you know, know, it doesn't mean you eat it every week, every night, but what just works? You know, we just, I guess we we had a great Dungeness crab season here in, in California. So what goes really well with that? You know, I I I love I love Chablis. You know, uh, okay. You know, a nice. Does it have uh, to be fancy pants stuff, or no, you know, no, no, village no, level? I, I mean, no, give I, me a suggestion or two. Yeah, I don't have any fancy pants Chablis. You know, Pate Loup. You know, Thomas Picot makes a really good Chablis. You know, Alice Moor, uh, just great little Chablis. You know, something crisp, fresh, no no oak. Yep, uh, those yeah. are good ones. Yeah. Um, all right. Third question and. This should be easy and hard for you to answer. Hard because there's probably so many and you probably don't want to leave anybody out. But easy because you should know it. Um, Do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar? And I put that in the context of places that have the right wine list, have the right vibe. Um, You know, people that really can take you through all of that. Wow, you 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 caught me out of step here. I haven't been out in a long time. I 
I, Does anything stand out from the past days, whether it was Santa Barbara or New York or San Fran? Uh, nothing really in Santa Barbara. Uh, you know, uh, hmm. New I, York? I, yeah, it seems like I was in New York like so many years ago. I can't even. Yeah, think of, I, I, I get I, that. I, I, I'm I, not going to pressure you, but um, I, I honestly would you favor places think. with more natural wines? You know, I mean, or, I mean, again, I mean, you know, I, I guess maybe my last memory of great food and wine pre-pandemic was my last meal at Echebari on. I think it was on February 9th of 2020. And the like next the February day, before the pandemic? Well, it was it was pandemic. It was it was happening. I mean, I flew the next day to right. Ro- Rome and flew back. Yeah, so that right, was Right, 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 right. But I mean, they really in the states it really got crazy in March. Yeah, but so it definitely was, was happening. Yeah, so Echebari. Where yeah, is that? that? It's in it's in uh, outside San Sebastian, maybe right. my favorite restaurant in the world, and that meal isn't was that just where, magic. Uh, rest in peace, isn't that where Ned had his Ned Benedict from Grand Cru had a birthday celebration? That area? Uh, no, no, on the other coast. Oh, okay. I thought it was all right. So that answers that question. Fourth question. The question structured years and years ago was favorite all-time wine. Um, I'm sure you and I did this once, maybe twice, so that means you answered it at least once. Favorite all-time wine initially was to prompt the guest to tell me what was the most rare, expensive wine you ever drank. (laughs) The question has morphed more towards, you know, who gives a crap about that? What's the wine that had an impact, you know, on your life, career, um, that changed the way you think about wine or drink? I mean, are there a few wines that are, I guess, important wines to you? Yeah, I mean, you're talking of now and these days or yeah. back in the back? No, I think, I think you know, we, we go current. You know, what are you thinking that way um, for now? I mean, you know, it was definitely, you know, the, the, the Jura has played a big part. You know, recently I drank an 05 Auvergnois Pulsar. It was completely life-changing, you know. Um, so the hype is real there. Oh, 100%. You know, okay. It's, it's, so an Auvergnois, an 05, a Pulsar. Give me, give yeah, me you know, one more like that. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, another wine which I've had before, but had it again uh, recently, you know, Shav uh, Hermitage uh, 91. That uh, particular vintage. And the Rouge, yeah, it was, you know, vintage, which which came after an, an epic vintage and I, I uh, you know, drank it recently and it was just right. like, you know, just like, you, you you feel the energy and the soul of the place and the person and the people behind it. It's uh, yeah, pretty profound. I, I agree. Um, you know, we didn't talk much about the Northern Rhone. I mean, are you a fan of those wines? You know, this was 2020 was the first year I haven't tasted at Klopp, Klopp and, and Shav since 1998. Wow. And I, based on, you know, our talk this past hour, I'm not sure when you're getting there again, true? 
True. I mean, I you know, if if things you kind can of get the wine, yeah. Thing, if, if things kind of you know go as we are hoping it'll go, I you know, I I would make a trip in the right. winter after the harvest, maybe in January or something right. to visit a few friends and and you know uh, I will need to take a break at one point uh, yeah I think you and, will <laughs> and it would be good to see those guys um, you know that will we'll, that day will come and you will imbibe on some good wines alright yeah. here's the last question and I think you can handle this even though you're a winemaker and you make you know fine wines but you're <clears> in a restaurant I always ask my guests recommend the best wines to me for around 15 to 20 bucks. Give me a red, give me a white. And the backup on that question is I got kids in my, in their twenties, mid late twenties, and they can't afford to go to a party with an eight, $9 crappy supermarket wine, but they can't afford 40, 50. So how do you impress with 15, 20, 22 bucks, red and a white, you can give me category, like Muscadet ain't a bad value for white. Um, you can give me makers, regions, or whatever. What would you recommend in that area for a red and a white? Wow. Um, hmm. Put your thinking cap on. Huh. I, <laughs> I don't even ever go to a white Um I guess, you know, there's a wine... Um, you know what's the name of that wine from uh, from Lisbon? Um, um, you know what? I will catch you off air. I'll email you. Um, yeah, email me. I, I, and, I you know, I'll I, remind you because I'll post it. Can you think of a white? Yeah, that's that's a sommelier question. You know, and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I barely ever. Um, but I, but I, 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 I'm sure I'm gonna, I'll have an answer. I'll have to All actually right. just... Raj, you're going like a freight train, and at the end, you putter out. Couldn't answer the last question. What the hell's I, wrong with you? It's all I right, know, I, I forgive you. I, I, all right, Raji, we got to wrap up. I told you an hour would go pretty fast. Let me do a quick wrap-up, and then I want to get some info from you for our listeners. So if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at sam at thegrapenation.com. That's sam at thegrapenation. Um, please subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. On Instagram, a little different. We're at S Ben Ruby, and on Twitter, we're at Ben Ruby. But through both of those, you can reach us with the hashtag The Grape Nation. Um, we're trying to build a community on Clubhouse, so follow us there at Ben Ruby. Um, as I said a few minutes ago, we will post Raj's uh, wine list answers on our social media sites. Um, probably early next week. Raj, I will follow up with you on that to fill in the last answer. And Raj, um, if people want to find out more about you and the wines, there's probably a few places to go. Let's talk about that. First on social media, if people <laughs> want to follow you, um, I think there's a Phelan Farm and Raj Parr. Tell me some uh, yeah, social media handles. It's, uh, I guess, at Rajat Parr on Instagram. Okay. Uh, at Phelan Farms, plural, 
on Instagram. That's pretty much it. Uh, Rush okay. Bar Wines uh, for the wine club. Uh, and then, uh, you know. Is it Raj Par Wines? Yeah, that's for the wine club. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then there's a beautiful website for each of, all you have to do is Google Sandhi, S-A-N-D-H-I, Google Evening Land, or Google Domain De La Cote, C-O-T-E, and that'll bring you to all of those. Right, Raj? Exactly. All of them have... uh, you know, nice website where you can find about wine. Wines. You know, if you want mailing list and all that stuff, information, vintages, that type of stuff. Exactly. All right, Raj, I got to let you go. Um, I'm very excited for your new project and your new life at Feelin. I wish you best of luck. I look forward to the wines that come out of there. Um, you know, I've been a collector for many years and not that long ago, should have been sooner. Um, got on Domaine Delacote. And some of the other stuff earlier. So I've been enjoying those wines. I think I have a three liter sitting there <laughs> of one of the wines. I'm waiting for that to crack it open. So I wish you good luck, good health. Um, I will follow up with you for the wine list. And I'm very serious about doing a, a series, you know, with Harvest, with something like that. So at the appropriate time, I'll follow up with you. So thank you to our guest, Raj Parr. Thank you to our engineer, Amanda, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.